This is Joe Cole, and you're listening to the London Is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back. That's right, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast. International break is almost over for Chelsea, playing on Sunday against Bournemouth. We're recording this on Thursday evening, September 14th. And Nick, no Brandon, because he's taking a nice walk. He's enjoying life. He's getting out there. And we're the sadists who are saying we should talk about Chelsea this evening instead of doing something else fun with the time that we have. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's back. We're back from an international break. Uh, there's only, I think, seven or eight more of these this season to come. So, you know, get, get used to it. We, we're you know going to enjoy the international breaks back in our lives for reasons passing understanding uh but that's okay um yeah i mean it's it's good to have chelsea back this weekend i'll say that because there is nothing worse than uh pointless european or pointless uh concacaf football on our screens during an international break um so excited for for the boys to be back and uh we're edging closer to the start of the women's season too so hopefully we get on a decent stretch of of Chelsea football in our lives. Well, before we talk about that, we're going to get into a couple of things. We're talking about how some of the Blues performed while they were on international duty. We're also going to get into the Bournemouth match, talking about some predictive lineups and also going through what the narratives are heading into the match for Pochettino and team and for Bournemouth as well. But Nick, two things of note. One, Chelsea dropped their third kit. And as we all know, you are the aficionado of the pod when it comes to all things style. So I want to get your opinion on that in just a moment. And then we still have not had confirmation or finalization of the infinite athlete deal. So it seems like these kits are still shipping without any type of sponsor on the front multiple weeks into the season. So that is also a nice perk for people who are looking to potentially get a bit of a collector's item. So should they be getting the third kit as a collector's item is the question. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I, I think the kit itself looks fine. Uh, it's it's called Eaton Blue. And it's, you know, as, as you've heard on the famous CFC before, Rick Glanville uh, and, and Gary Barone have both mentioned how Chelsea's royal blue is not the color that we started out playing in, in 1905 into 1907. Um, it was this kind of lighter, more turquoisey or minty looking blue um, that really rides the line between blue and green. I mean, it is <laughs> you, you could be forgiven if you're looking at this shirt and went, why did they get a mint green shirt? Um uh, you know, I think I think it's a decent enough looking shirt. It's pretty plain. It has some like black trim around the the neckline and the and I think down the sides or whatever and on the sleeves. Uh, it really depend on depends on your skin tone. I think whether you can rock this shirt or not. I think, uh, for example, I'm not I'm not uh, particularly fond of it for for me, but I think for some people, uh, it, it will look good. Uh, I myself. Uh, opted for the uh, away shirt, which is that black and blue uh, kind of 90s vibe shirt they put out a couple weeks ago. And I know many, many, many people are fond of the home shirt, although I hate the freaking neckline on that shirt. It just bothers me um, what Nike's done on that weird panel that they have on the front. But um, I, I think I I believe the black shirt is the best looking one of the bunch, uh, followed by the home kit and the third kit would be third. What about you? I think the goalkeeper kit is actually a sneaky good kit this year too, in it terms is. of the total collection that we have. When 
Chelsea posted the information about the Eaton Blue kit that Chelsea will be donning as a third kit. I wonder, with no European football, how many times we'll actually see that kit worn during a match. I'm going to guess it's sub three would be my... it against Bournemouth, apparently. Like, that's... Okay. Yeah, so... That's, that's I'm, I'm still in the we're not going to see this more than like if we see it more than three times, like we have done Nike a service in trying to get these kits sold. Um, the post, though, from Chelsea was that the color actually prominent on this season's shirts, shorts and socks is named mint foam, providing a contrasting canvas for black trim and a wolf gray pattern, adding a touch of modernity, modernity to a timeless classic, a vision stemmed from our past. Just say, you know, I think it's fine. I think it's a fine kit. I think that the home kit is the one that will be classic that people will look back on 10, 15 years from now and wish that they had gotten that kit. I do think the one that probably looks the best on most average people like myself or you is probably the away kit in just terms of a general darker tone. Uh, yeah. But again, we are not a fashion podcast. We're just offering up some opinions. Let us know in the comments on YouTube if you're watching there what your thoughts are on Ooh. all the kits. Which one are you getting? Dan, who did you get on your shirt this year? Enzo. Had to be Enzo. Enzo. Okay. So easy. So easy. Man. Okay. Uh, I went with Millie Bright, uh, continuing my streak of the last three years of getting a women's player on my shirt because I frankly don't know which men's players are – are yet going to be my favorite, as I've said many, many times on this show. So I, I went with uh, Old Reliable and, and Millie Bright. Well, that is a good one to go after as well. And, you know, speaking of good things to do, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Great way to support the podcast, helps people find the show. You can also follow us and subscribe on YouTube. Hit the notify button, get notified when we have new videos drop. Getting closer and closer to 29,000 subscribers there. We'd love to hit 30,000. You can help us do that. That'd be great. And you also can support us. Patreon.com forward slash London Blue Pod. Join our wonderful Discord community. They've been having fun with all other things not related to Chelsea during this international break. A lot of chatter about the NFL and college football. And Nick, we'll just not talk about those two things. <laughs> we'll just bypass. No need. Bypass nope. that fully. Nope. Nope. All good on that front. Thanks for asking. No problem. We'll take our first quick ad break, get it out of the way, and then we'll get right into how all of Chelsea's international stars performed during this break. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. With the busy fall season already in swing, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Look, I just moved, right? And we got a conveniently timed box of Factor meals to the house. My wife and I loved having these not frozen, quick to microwave. We actually threw them in the toaster oven, the air fryer, and they heated up really quick and they were delicious. I'm telling you, if you're moving or if you're busy, having eight, nine, 10, 12 meals in your fridge was perfect. It was the ultimate convenience. They tasted well. You had your main entree with the protein, veggies on the side. You were good to go. Make sure you go check it out. Honestly, life is too busy to not have a healthy meal in your fridge ready to go. And again, like I said, they are fresh. They are not frozen. They come in a refrigerated pack. They were great. Uh, and you can also, not only this, start to add some breakfast in there. They've got bacon and egg breakfast skillet, bacon and cheddar, egg bites, potato, all of this good stuff. Like I said, it's going to energize you throughout the day with clean, healthy energy. So anyways, this September, get Factor, start enjoying it. Use our code 
Go to factormeals.com forward slash London is blue 50 and use code London is blue 50 to get 50% off. That's no joke. Right now, use the code London is blue 50 at factormeals.com forward slash London is blue 50 to get 50% off. What are you waiting for? All right, Nick. So no surprise if Chelsea attracts international stars, international stars go out for international duty and they do things. They get a job done. So we have a bunch of players who had a chance to get into maybe better fitness, find themselves a goal if they've been lacking a goal, an assist if they've been lacking an assist, showing that they can do it. It's just maybe a matter of getting all the parts and pieces to work together at Chelsea at the moment. But in their, you know, from the club to their national teams, they were able to maybe start a bit of a spark that they can bring back to Chelsea in the weeks ahead. But maybe we'll start off with uh, Enzo, who we mentioned previously. Goal. Goal for Enzo. He's looking, he just wants to score now. It's fantastic. Yeah, let's, hope he, let's hope he takes the, the scoring form that he has with Argentina and moves it on over to Chelsea. He's been uh, a little lackluster in that department for us, uh, missing some key chances at the start of the season. And, I think the goal that he did get was a little bit of a, a lucky uh, draw for him, but you know, like well, they all count the same. So let's hope that uh, you know that he's able to to do that and hit him in the in the top corner for uh, for the Blues. But yeah, pretty uh, interesting goal. It was like off of the, a lot of like interchange play. He ended up scoring it like he was a striker, uh, you know, near the near the goal. It was a nice old kind of tap in near post. So very interesting. Yeah, good cross from Di Maria. So they they won that game three nothing against Bolivia. So they're getting all their qualifying action underway. Keeping it in South America, we'll go to Ecuador, and I think there were some really interesting things that happened for the Ecuadorian players that Chelsea have, and not just Moises Caicedo, but Kendry as well, who had. His rise is incredible. I think the funniest thing to me was that someone, a Liverpool fan, <laughs> during the break was indicating that before Brighton go snap up this player, we need to go sign them now. We need to go get them because they're going to be a superstar, not knowing that Chelsea had actually already signed Kendry and he's going to be joining us in two years when he turns 18. Credit to that guy for leaving his tweet up so we could all troll it all week. That was, uh, you know what? Respect. Um, you know, <laughs> when you're that wrong, just own it. Uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, boy, I mean, I, I don't typically watch, um, you know, uh, let's just call it common bowl, you know, action uh, that, that often. But we have a reason to now because... Caicedo and Kendry together on the Ecuador national team who, you know, again, were, were good in this past World Cup as well. Um, Kendry's a player, man. And, and the, the pod that you guys did uh, before, I think it was mid-August with uh, Jess and, and Nath, um, just a incredible young talent that has a ton of room to get better and is already playing at the age of 16 with the national team, uh, that's a massive deal uh, for him. And the fact that he's assisting, the fact that many people thought he ran the midfield uh, in, in a lot of different ways was fantastic. So, man, it, again, I know some of these young signings from, you know, seemingly out of nowhere, you know, there are a lot of us who are like, hey, but we need a striker right now. Um 
And I think in a few years, we're going to be very, very happy that there was some forethought put into uh, Country Pies. Yeah, the thing that I really liked, having not watched a ton of him so far, was just his tight ball control. Some of the moves he had, particularly at the touchline, to work his way around defenders, really, really excellent to watch. So I think that was something that, you know, for someone who had only watched, I would say, maybe five to ten combined minutes of him playing so far this was a good education on what he can bring and where his trajectory is going again he's setting records left and right you know he's the now the youngest debutante for the ecuadorian men's first team he's you know the youngest like leading scorer uh in like the national leagues like all these things that are just piling on another great thing another great thing about the player what i did like though is Moises Caicedo getting back to full fitness? Because I think we felt like with his desire to get the move, with the situation, the prolonged negotiation, getting him to Chelsea, he really didn't have the same fitness regimen, the same opportunity to get up to speed and get in condition for this season. I think we maybe even said that he was 80% of where he should be. This looks like he is back to fitness, and I think Pochettino is going to be very happy when he comes back because he looked – every bit the part of someone who is ready to get back into full form now after this, this international break. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes, you know, I think we've been a little tainted perhaps in the past with the French national team because, uh, you know, they've always called in players and, and they've somehow come home worse for wear than they went. Uh, but sometimes going back to your national team as you know, Mudrick has shown before is a good thing. Right. It helps you kind of advance a little bit and, and get the good feelings back and play with people that you have known for some time. And so, you know, hopefully, you know, again, it's it's an all positive international break for our guys and they come back ready to uh, to hit the ground running because we have a big, big, big couple of months coming up. And Caicedo is integral. Right. I mean, especially in the midfield especially when we're still having midfield injury issues in the form of Lavia, which we talked about with Naz on Monday. Uh, so, you know, this is a, a good thing for me. And again, he's probably still a few weeks away from being full fitness, just based on what we witnessed in the States for preseason, how hard those guys were being worked from a fitness perspective. But he's also a young, talented guy. I don't think it's going to take him years to catch up. This is not Fat Hazard from back in the day who Antonio Conte needed to to train for an entire offseason to get into his uh, player of the year winning mode. Oh, abs are made in the kitchen. So we'll see what Pochettino is assigning to the team in terms of the diet. Let him cook, man. Let him cook. <laughs> well, speaking of players, maybe didn't get the same type of outing our trio that were in the England senior team, you had Gallagher, Chilwell, and Colwell all getting an opportunity. They did play against Scotland uh, this past weekend or past couple days, and uh, Gallagher did get an opportunity to make his ninth appearance, but Chilwell and Colwell went as unused substitutes. And you know what? I'm kind of okay with that, given the fact that there's been knocks to our defenders or Defender slash winger, depending upon how you want to call it, our two left backs there. I don't know. Whatever you want to define them as in terms of what position they are to you, better that maybe they got some rest and good for Gallagher to get, you know, get closer and closer to hit a, a, a 10 number or a double digit number for caps for England. 
Is it fucking weird that Southgate still prefers Harry Maguire over someone like Levi Colwell? Sure. Is it an absolute uh, circus at the English national team right now? Yep, sure is. Will it be that way for a minute? Of course it will be. Uh, I, I am with you. Like, come back healthy. That's all I care about at this point. We have a lot of season to play. And, you know, those two in particular with Gallagher as the third are critical. They've played every single match so far, right? So uh, they're critical to our success. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, again, I the, the English national team is a circus right now. Like, there is so much going on there between Henderson and Maguire and Southgate and all the news and stories and stuff like that. And Southgate's just not ever really played Chilwell um, in a string of matches, which is very, very odd. I think maybe it was like 2018 or 19 was the last time he got like a real run out. Um, so uh, he's also had injury situations been injured, over the yeah. past couple of years too. So I do think that that factors into it. I mean, but now you have Shaw who's out as well. In addition to Chilwell being available, maybe thanks Chilwell's a winger. I mean, look, that, that could be the consensus at the moment. So stay tuned to see what Garrett Southgate says next about Chelsea's players when it comes to the next international break in October. Not that far away. Harder matches to watch, but there were U21 matches as well for England. Yeah, Matawake and Palmer both getting an opportunity to go out and get involved as well. Cole Palmer with a goal and assist. So just after the switch from City to Chelsea, goes out, gets a little bit of a sub appearance, and then also gets an opportunity to impress on international duty. And then Matawake had a goal as well. So, you know, just an opportunity. Or he might have had an assist. It was an assist. Um, so, like, you know, the, the, the benefit being that these two young attackers getting opportunities to prime the engine as it relates to getting back into, you know, back into Chelsea's first team over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, they, they've played well together at national team level along with Colwell and that kind of under 21 team previously before he got the, the major call up, right. You would assume at some point and, you know, I don't know if it'll be this Euro cycle, but maybe in the next cycle after the Euros that Matawake and Palmer uh, will get that sort of call up as well. In the meantime, score you know getting the goal scoring boots and the assisting boots on uh, for Chelsea is is a priority, right? We know that that is a critical improvement area for the team, and you know without a ton of goal production coming from the wings so far this year, as, as Sterling's kind of played more advanced than Jackson, you know those guys could be critical pieces. Whether it's Palmer playing a ten and Matawake playing right wing or some combination where Sterling ends up on the left or whatever the case might be. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for both these guys and anyone who can do well in, in international play while not uh, getting themselves injured. Well, speaking of the French national team, you mentioned earlier, we did see Gusto and Leslie Okuchukwu getting an opportunity to play for France's under-21s. I didn't see much in terms of uh, Leslie's contributions, but Gusto did register an assist against Slovenia. So positive things there. You know, we, we do see him, particularly with the Reese James injury, like his underlying stats have been extremely strong. And I think people have generally been impressed by his performances over the last couple of matches, deputizing for Reese James while he's out injured. And this just seems to be a continuation of that. So again, hopefully bringing it back can assist more, can contribute in the attack when 
we get back against Bournemouth this weekend. Yep. I mean, Reese James is not officially fit and probably I think according to Naz, they're going to take their time with him, which is the absolute right call. So, uh, guess what, Mallow, you're, you're in, you're in the game. And then we also saw maybe just some more muted performances. So Nico Jackson, uh, didn't, get on the score sheet in the one no loss to Algeria and then Mikhailo Mudrik did get a about 60 minutes in the 2-1 loss to Italy did not register a goal or assist there as well I think Mudrik got a lot of criticism I think online for his performance but he just looks like he's still needing to find that confidence needing to get back into a position to be you know, the guy he, he believes himself to be, and you hope that that can happen over the weeks and months ahead so that he can get on with the football that he wants to play. And Nico, you would have loved a goal for him as well just to get him into a good situation, particularly after the, the miss that he had, that it would be good to kind of put him in, in right form there. But, hey, you know, just, just score against Bournemouth instead. You know, score against Bournemouth. We need we need streaky the other direction. Um, yeah, is, is what we need. Yeah, Mudrik's taken a lot of abuse over this start of the season, but particularly this international window. Um, you know, again, something we've talked to Naz about, but let's just hope that he has smart people around him that are coming to kind of help him take care of his mental health as well as physical health. Um, because I know he he pulled up with a little bit of a it looks like a calf injury. I think at one point. Um, so let's just, again, let's hope that the young man's kind of getting the support he needs at this point. It's obviously a lot on his shoulders, uh, not only from a price tag standpoint, but, uh, from a kind of nationality standpoint right now, as his country is in the middle of a war. I think we forget that at times, you know, for him, uh, that there's a lot going on, uh, in, in the homeland right now. So, uh, yeah, just wanted to kind of call that out because, you know, look, I, I think it's fair to. Um, you know, have some constructive criticism over what he could do better. But there were apparently the English quote unquote Chelsea fans who uh, were, were shouting all sorts of nonsense at him uh, during this international break. And it's just, it's really, really fucking bad form uh, to do that. So yeah, disappointing to say the least. Well, again, it's important to make sure that we can separate the, performance from the person and challenge the performance and you know comment on it with the merits that we have whether for or against the performance and then uh, make sure that we, we consider the person as well but that's going to do it for our little bit of international review that's kind of the the tapas for this episode we're going to take our last ad break and then we're going to get back and talk about Bournemouth the match ahead for Chelsea this weekend on Sunday so stay tuned we'll be right back there is no I in team but there is one in indeed and that's the hiring platform you need to build yours when you're hiring you need indeed one of the things I love about indeed is that they make hiring all in one place it's easy because well candidates you invite are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in the search. When you get one step closer to the hire by immediately matching you with a quality candidate, it makes it go faster. And when you're looking to hire, the quicker you get the right person in the role, the better. So start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. 
That offer is good for a limited time. So claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com forward slash Blue Wire Sports. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire Sports and support the show by saying you heard about it on this podcast. Indeed.com forward slash Blue Wire Sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Nick. It's Jason Bourne myth up next this Sunday. Boo this man. (laughs) Uh, yeah. I mean, in, in prior seasons, though, like we would be that character watching the video, seeing Bournemouth coming, and be like, "Oh shit!" My, like we're in trouble. My God, that's Jason Bourne. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, the fact that we beat them last year at their place was astonishing, as it was the last win that we had uh, in that season. <laughs> um, that secured our safety, baby, uh, in, in the Premier League. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, this is not, you know, the 18th place team that I think we're used to kind of seeing in the league. I mean, they're they're better than that. You know, I think they only finished one place behind us in the league last year, if memory serves, uh, which is more indicative of, of us and our performance than anything. But um, so far this year, I mean, they've definitely played – some pretty decent football and and the fact that Dom Solanke is still there and scoring uh, is, is wild to me because I think a lot of people wrote him off uh, a long time ago, but you know, it's, it's an interesting matchup kind of straight after the international break. They're under new management this year, you know, that controversially they fired Gary O'Neill in the off season and uh, have brought in a totally new thought structure and everything like that. So I'll be really interested, Dan, to see kind of how they play on, uh, on Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, I think that we should just maybe start by dispelling the fact that, like, they're really not a true bogey team for Chelsea. Like, there was a stretch in 2019 through 2020 where it was a loss, 4-0 loss, a 1-0 loss, and a 2-2 draw. That was really unfortunate. There was also that wonky 3-0 loss in 2018. But in general... I mean, Chelsea's record, we've won 13 games against Bournemouth, one draw and five games lost. One of those those losses was in 1988. So let's just couch that one and say it's four losses. Like, it's still more losses than you would hope for against a side like Bournemouth. But, you know, in general, we have, we've let in goals against them, which is maybe the other kind of concerning factor, like that 2-2, the 4-0, the 1-0. We haven't been able to keep a ton of clean sheets against them in the past couple seasons. So maybe that's more of a concern. Like we did have a, a two nil win uh, in late December, but to your point you made earlier, like we did have a three, one win against them at the tail end of this past season. So it would be nice to get back to the historical standard of Chelsea winning against Bournemouth and also doing so without letting in a goal as well, which is probably the harder of the two tasks to accomplish. Yeah, indeed. And I know they are 16th right now, not 18th. Sorry about that earlier. But they are not playing um, nearly as bad as their contemporaries uh, around them. I will say that uh, they've had a very interesting start to the season. Um, you know, I think you, you look at results uh, t- against Liverpool, who go down a man and somehow just continue to beat them. Um, you look at their draw against West Ham to start the season. Uh, the fact they drew Brentford away. Uh, as well, um, they advanced to the EFL Cup uh, as uh, against Swansea. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, sure, they have two points in the league, and both of them you know, are against West Ham and, and Brentford. 
but you know, I think you know they they haven't played that bad. To, you know, to my eye this year, they're not a team that should be taken lightly. Match against Spurs was unfortunate. It was not a good game for them. The others, they were at least hanging in and around. So let's just look at their narratives. So Dom, here's here's the narrative storylines that we have to consider heading into this. Former Chelsea Academy star Dom Solanke signs a new deal through 2027. Uh, that's that's an odds on to score. That's going to be yep. a bit of a challenge to go against that curse. They've yet to win. That's always a thing that Chelsea can do a favor for a team on. Hey, you need a win? Charity FC, let's go. You did mention the hard schedule to start, and they have scored in three out of the four matches that they played. So again, they are finding ways to get in the score sheet, even if necessarily they're not coming away with all points that they have. So, you know, the refresh, the new ownership, New minority investors, you know, uh, new American minority investors. Like, there, there's a lot of like interesting storylines that you can tie in here that would be like, oh yeah, this is not feel good on the uh, on the expected narrative. You, you forgot one too that Tyler Adams is playing there, um, who Chelsea uh, were on the verge of signing, then backed out. Uh, he's now at Bournemouth. Not like that's necessarily going to be like a a dark mark or anything like that on our on our resume, but you know, it's just another one of those interwoven narratives between the two sides that, you know, who knows what'll happen, uh, on that front. So first Premier League goal or assist Tyler Adams anytime. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. So, um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. I like, again, smallest ground in the league, right? Not many away fans can make this one. So, you know, I know in the past Chelsea have been incredibly loud and boisterous, you know, the, the couple hundred fans who were able to get in, but um, you know, this is a, it's a weird place to go. It's a weird place to go right after an international break too. Yeah. You get a little bit of a, a trip to the, uh, the seaside as it were and uh, pull that one in. But let's talk about Chelsea's narrative. So the things that we have to consider for Chelsea ending this match, we, we did not enter into the international break in the finest form. We were talking potentially if we could win against forest, that we would go in to the international break chomping at the bit for Chelsea to come back. And I think everybody felt like, oh, it's okay. We, we enjoyed the time that we had to mentally reset over this international break. Um, I think Chelsea are in desperate need to show up and show out, particularly against teams that you would just think that Chelsea should beat up on. I think that there's questions around who beyond Sterling or Jackson, you know, obviously with, uh, you know, Dizassi probably can't be counted on to score a goal every game. But from an attacking perspective, will someone like Joel or Palmer get on the score sheet as well, start to balance out the contributions from a goal-scoring perspective? And we know that they, we're still facing and looking down the barrel of injury concerns now with the Lavia knock as well. So I think those were the things that I think with the storylines that we're going to have heading into this match, are there any that you think you would add to that? Um yeah, I mean, I think I think Jackson is is the one that is probably going to have the most pressure on his shoulders in a match like this, right? Um, I wouldn't say that Bournemouth are necessarily like West Ham and that they'll just set up in a block and 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 stay there all game. I think Bournemouth do like to to play a little bit more on the front foot than that, but even then, you know, Jackson's had a lot of touches in the box. He's had a lot. Of, of, you know, he's had some decent service, right? Um, some not so decent service. But I think he's unfortunately going to be the one that kind of 
makes or breaks the attack. And someone like Sterling, in this case, could benefit from the extra attention paid to Jackson or vice versa. So we'll just kind sure. of to see. But someone, there needs to be a third, right? Those two are right now what we got from a goal-scoring perspective. So whether that's Palmer, whether that's Matawake, whether that's Chilwell, whether that's Gallagher, who's shown that he can score a couple of goals, whether that's Enzo, you know, potentially stepping up in a role like that. Um, we, we need a third goal scorer. We need someone who's going to draw the defense to their side to open up space for someone else to go in at the back post and get an easy header or someone who's going to open the lane for a cutback to, to come into the box for an easy kind of slotted home goal like Sterling got against Luton Town. So just kind of thinking about that, that, that would be kind of the biggest storyline for me. I don't think the defense has been great this year, but I don't think they've been bad either. I think it's been frustrating. The midfield will get humming, you know, the more time that they get together. Um, I think it's the attack and that's, and that's going to play into why I think the lineup is going to be a wee bit different uh, for me, maybe as we go into our predicted lineups, than uh, than maybe it has looked so far. Well, when you talk about predicted lineups, there's a lot of overlap between our two. So I'll let you run with your lineup and then you can differentiate. You can talk about why you have your differences and what we think the the end outcome is going to be. And we'll see, you know, again, leave comments if you're watching on YouTube or tweet at us or, uh, you know, zed at us, whatever it is. I don't know. Post at us. Um, let us know what you're thinking. But, Nick, what's your what do you think Pochettino is going to line up with when it comes to the match on Sunday? Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to look a little bit closer to what we saw in preseason. Um, I think it's going to be a Gusto Silva Colwell Chilwell back four. I think back Chilwell playing left back again is something that you know I think we need for balance purposes in the team. You know, it's been well documented that Colwell as as a stand-in has has done admirably to the start of the season, but really doesn't offer anything uh, an attack from that side outside of the occasional lobbed over pass, which is great, but um, Showwell will certainly provide a little bit more balance there. Uh, so I, I kind of expect more of a traditional back four in this one because we got to get some goals. So that leaves me with Enzo and Caicedo in the middle. Uh, got to get used to saying that because that's going to be the future. Um, and then I think some sort of interchangeable front four um so it could be a 4-2-4 it could be a 4-2-3-1 maybe kind of a 4-2-2-2 who knows like it, it could be a weird one but um i think it'll be gallagher and palmer kind of maybe playing two number 10s and then sterling and jackson and, and i anticipate subs from from mudrick and, and matawake as well uh, in, in a game like this so that's that's kind of where I'm going. A little bit more balance up top. I think you, at this point, have to make the risk assessment that, you know, we can defend with who we got, um, especially if Caicedo's in the team. But we should rely on maybe an extra attacker to help us get across the line. Yeah, so I think with the international break having occurred right around the same time that the deadline day finished, I just struggle with the idea that Palmer is going to slot in starting for the team, I, I could be absolutely 1,000% wrong. And if it's Sunday, the hour before the match, the lineups come out and Palmer starts, 
I wouldn't be shocked. I just don't think that that falls in line with the way that we've seen Pochettino work players into the team. Palmer was away on international duty, hasn't had that time necessarily to acclimatize. I think that this will be a copy and paste lineup from the last match. So you have Sanchez, Gusto, DeSassi, Silva, Colwell, move forward, Caicedo, Enzo, Gallagher, benefiting from the fact that all of those guys look really good right now, particularly with Caicedo being back into fitness. And then I think it's going to be Sterling, Jackson, and Chilwell. I, I just, I struggle to see, even though I think Chilwell has received a lot of criticism. Again, I think there's, there's a lot of pointing fingers right now. There's a lot of pointing fingers at like, this doesn't work. This isn't good. This is what's going on. The interesting thing to me is when you just step back and say, like, if you look at the the whole of all of our performances, so actually philosophy puts out this chart that effectively is like your expected points, right? And again, we're, we, we are who we, we are. The, the points that we have on the board are the points that we have. So we've got four points. If you just take out the, the luck-based element of it, which I think has played or the individual error component of it, Chelsea should be level with Arsenal and Brentford tied effectively for second place behind and two points behind City on eight points. So I, I don't think we are as bad as people want to make it out. I think it's easy to point fingers at the Chelsea side right now and say, oh, you know, they're the incomplete article or they're not performing the level or there's all this investment. Like, yeah, just because you invested a ton of money doesn't mean it automatically like this isn't Wall Street bets, right? Like it's not going to like double or triple or quadruple every couple days, uh, you know, and you diamond hands it to the end. Like this is a scenario where like it is a, you know, it's a long term. This is like the the 401k or the like, you know, index fund type of experience. Like you're looking for compound on compound interest. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting that, I mean, these expected points is, is just kind of a coulda, shoulda, woulda to me. Um, and I understand the value of these charts, but it's part of the reason why I think that, you know, against a team like Bournemouth, a team that you should be beating, experimenting with, you know, some of the resources at your disposal and potentially not being so defensive is critical. Of course, Chelsea would like a clean sheet, but what we really need this team to do is score goals because I think once Chelsea score goals, it becomes a lot easier for the team to get that defensive record where they want it to. But when you're so reliant on Gusto to bomb forward and provide that extra service from the right-hand side, or you're so uh, reliant upon an over-the-top ball from Colwell to try and break a defense, I, I think it takes their eye off the ball defensively. right? And in this way, it kind of restores a little bit of balance, um, and at least in, in my Hypothetical scenario, it restores a little bit of balance to the team, uh, knowing that Chilwell and Gusto can both do that, but giving a little bit more of a, of a nod to our attack to interchange. And, and that's why I don't know if it'll be like a strict 4-2-3-1, but could be kind of a fun um, fun little uh, kind of swaps between you know Gallagher and you know wherever he plays versus wherever, in, in my estimation, that someone like Palmer could play. Um who said that he can basically play anywhere across the the middle three, right? Which is right wing, left wing, or a number 10. We've seen him at, at left for City. I think that was just due to a personnel gap. And we've seen him on the right for uh, England. We've seen him play number 10 for England. So 
lots lots going on there, but um, but a very interesting kind of thought exercise to get going here. The the other option would be Matawake, right? Who is a a tricky player, I think, who is who started the season a little bit injured, but is kind of coming into form. Um, wouldn't shock me to see either one of those. So you're saying either one of those to start? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I truly believe I, I I believe we need something else. Like what what is started this season while the expected points look great and while the coulda, shoulda, wouldas are high, it's not the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is that we have not scored enough goals to win matches that we should have won. And that's against Liverpool. That's uh, certainly uh, against Forest. And you could argue that we should have done better against West Ham as well. And so, you know, my bias would be towards goal scoring and getting this team running offensively really well. I wouldn't mind winning games 4-3 at this point of the season because I think the defense will take care of itself once the offense is scoring. But we can't go through another season uh, where we score 38 league goals in 38 league games. I mean, you just can't win games that way. Yeah, play, please, no. I think if you're hedging on this, I mean, Matawake has appeared in three matches so far, including the League Cup. So he got 80 minutes against Wimbledon. He got 16 minutes as a sub against West Ham. And then he got 29 minutes against Forrest. Um, so I don't necessarily know if he's starter in, in Poch's playbook at this moment. I mean, maybe you saw a little bit more from Palmer. The, the, the shot he took in the, the last match against Forrest makes you feel a little bit better putting him in. Like, I guess if coin flip, if you're like, hey, you have to start one of them, gosh, probably Palmer. But I I, I don't – I still don't think it's going to happen. Again, I'm happy to be wrong. I'm happy to be surprised by Pochettino doing something that I think is atypical. But I think he is more pragmatic than we want to give him credit for. And I think he's going to go for the what he believes to be his safer lineup, uh, you know, in opposition of like the fan belief that we need to replace Chilwell when ultimately in the last match against Forrest, when you take off Chilwell, the left side of the attack actually got worse. Um, yeah. I mean, but you're already down at that point. I, I mean, you're already having to press at that point. So whatever happens at that point is in service of getting a goal. Um, so I, I mean, maybe you're right. I, I would be, extremely disappointed to see the kind of same kind of hammer and, and, and nail philosophy rolled out for this one. But again, either in either scenario, we have enough talent on the field to beat Bournemouth. It's whether the players are ready uh, post international break to compete in the Premier league again, because it's going to be a lot of these stop and starts this year, as we've illustrated, I, I, you know, we have another international break in October coming up. Right. So uh, they, they, Coming back from these breaks is hard enough, um, especially when you have to do it every other month, it feels like. All right, and we're going to round out this episode with a little bit of a confidence metric. How confident are you, Nick, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being no confidence whatsoever, 10 being full body of confidence that Chelsea can get the business done? Um, let's give it a 7. See, I was, I was right there with you. I was a solid 7. I think... Uh, you know, confident enough, some question marks, but ultimately there's enough talent, there's enough individual goodness in this team that you should be able to manufacture the result that you're looking for and get the positive vibes going once again, get Aura FC reignited. Yeah, I mean, God, you'd hope so. I, you know, I could easily 
see this game going a lot of different directions. I could easily see Chelsea with a 3-0 win. I could easily see it being a scrappy draw, and I could easily see another forest happening. Um, so let's hope for the 3-0 win. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. So let us know your thoughts. Leave comments on YouTube. at us. Send us an email. I don't know. Find another way to get in contact with us if you want to talk to us. Join our Patreon and get in the Discord. It's a great way to chat with us. But we will be back after this weekend's match, which is hopefully a win against Bournemouth to celebrate with you all on Monday. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Have a great weekend and keep the blue flag flying high. Huh?